Whether we're exploring the latest in trucking technology, talking about the trends that propel the industry forward, or uncovering stories about the dedicated individuals who keep the wheels of America turning, this is where the roar of the engines and pulse of progress come together. It's sublime. It's surreal. It's the Heavy Equipment Podcast with Mike and Joe. <laughs> Let tape roll. I'm just gonna go right into the pandemonium. We had a script, it's already over. But well, uh I like yeah, I like the script. It's the script. Welcome to the uh heavy equipment podcast with hot Mike Schweitzer over there on the hot mic. And uh I'm your host, Joe Boris. And uh, you know, this is gonna be a little bit interesting. If you followed along on you know Electrify Expo or Clean Tech Talk, then you, you might know who I am. But this is just, this is not going to be that. This is going to upset some sponsors. But the good news is we don't have any sponsors yet. Well, there's nobody really to upset then. There's nobody to really upset so then. We're all right then. Well, Mike, this is really exciting because you and I have known each other a long time. We both come from a motorsport background, drag racing background. You've been in in this world of fleet management, you know, buying and selling and trading and flipping heavy equipment stuff. So this is like, kind of something that you're into and you know about, but this is your first podcast, right? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is our first podcast. Like I've never, never joined in on one. I've been parts of panels and stuff like that and things like that, but I've never, never been on a podcast before. So this I mean, is it's kind of like a panel. It's just, just uh, edited. It's yeah. like a panel, but you can insult someone's mother and uh, maybe that'll get cut out. Maybe it won't. It's just more controlled. So when I freak out and all the voices come out at one time, you just start <laughs> out. You start need speaking in tongues and shit. We're going to have yeah. to call the clergy in to decompense you. <laughs> We're just going to jump into this because this is actually one of the hottest topics going. Everybody that I talk to is talking about hydrogen. Oh, yeah. I, well, and uh, Nicola was like. Are, are, they're, everybody's excited for this because compressed natural gas was laughed at. People like UPS took it on. They said, we're going to, this works in a controlled setting and they deployed it and it works. Right. Hydrogen is going to do the same thing. The thing that everybody's worried about is how are you going to get hydrogen from point A to point B to then put it in something? Well, and that's what's interesting about Nikola, right? Because Nikola, when they came out in like 2019, 2020, it was kind of a scam company. And what I mean by that is like the original CEO, he did a bunch of drawings. He rolled a truck down a hill and said that it was up and running and it was all BS. It was all phony. That guy's long gone. The SEC right. kicked him, you know, chased him back into whatever federal swamp prison they're going to throw Trump into next week. And, you know, he, he's just he's gone. That guy's forever. Bye bye. But the company that came up out of the ruins of that is actually a real company and they're delivering trucks. They're not delivering enough trucks, but they got 50 or 60 of these things on the road and they're actually working. But the thing that really sets them apart is Nikola is one of the only companies that said we that understands that and that they said, we're going to build our own hydrogen infrastructure. We're going to build our own fueling stations so that when you buy these trucks, we're going to put a fueling station nearby your operation, you know, near your depot or, you know, halfway between your shipping stations so that their trucks could have that infrastructure. And it doesn't look good over there. They raised like $150 million. Apparently that's nowhere near enough. They had their guy who is a fellow Chicagoan, by the way, he just was there last year. I met with him earlier this year in uh, Long Beach, California. We hung out. He was real excited about you know the Bosch fuel cell and all the funding and equipment that they were putting in place. And two days ago, dude, Kerry Mendez, he just up and resigns. And the stock is down like 22% since Monday. Uh, it's Wednesday as we record this. 
you know, they're not, uh, they don't seem to be having a good time over there. Well, no. And, and here's the, here's the problem with any kind of industry change like this. And this is, you know, coming from somebody that's been around this stuff, my entire career, everybody just wants it. It needs to be instant. Well, it's not going to be instant. Okay. When Kenworth designed the first conventional truck and stuck it out there and they were using it construction, it didn't work. This isn't going to work off the rip. And that's what everybody doesn't get. They need to be patient. Somebody like Nikola, these companies, they have to get something off the ground for somebody else to pick up with it. Let the ball roll a little bit. It's going to fail and keep moving it forward. That's what they have to do. You're absolutely right. This is this is potentially a shambles. But yeah. somebody else to pick this up and keep moving with it because we need it. We the infrastructure, the trucking industry, heavy equipment, we need to figure out hydrogen. Well, yeah, and it's being forced upon you. It's being forced exactly. upon that industry, not only by the government, but also by by the customers, right? Because the government. No, um, I mean, obviously the government is the problem, but, but think about it. If you're trying to bid out a job and you're two and three years out, if you're doing that today, you're doing that by buying fuel futures, you're buying contracts on gas and diesel that you hope are going to be good, you know, a year, two, three years from now, but you don't know. And the volatility of oil prices and the price of gas and diesel is huge. And if we can find a way, whether that's electric or natural gas or hydrogen to insulate against that volatility, that's going to take bidding on a lot of these jobs. That's going to make bidding them out a lot easier. Cause like in your business, you know, we don't have to to talk about companies, but in your business, I, I don't think you have more than one or two points of margin in there. And if the price of oil shoots up uncontrollably or unpredictably, your margin's gone, right? Well, yeah. I mean, so anybody that's in construction today, I mean, we our margins are, are tight. We're at the end of the line. We're the ones that are buying all the product. We're the ones that are that are moving everything. We we have all the risk. Yeah, of course you do. Sorry, I'm too lolly. I was like, I was. I like it when the microphone touches my face. So Marcy mm-hmm. was trying to take it from me, so I didn't. <laughs> like she was. She keeps circling around. She's like. I'll see what's going on over here. I'm gonna see what's going on. See what he's doing with that microphone. <laughs> well, and that's a problem, right? Because you can't have you can't have administrative staff coming in and stealing your podcast equipment. That's gonna eat up all the margins, Michael. Uh, Miss, Miss Moth, she's she's running around here trying to take notes. <laughs> that's that's the secretary now. But uh, you know, maybe if uh, maybe if they had a better a better secretary for Carrie, he'd still be working over there at Nicola, and they wouldn't be uh, in the bind that they are in. Well, that's very true. You know, I mean, here's like I said, we we've got to get some of the stuff off the ground. You know, Caterpillar and Komatsu and Deer, we've they've been working on hybrid technology for construction equipment. We're yeah. trying to figure out how to make that work for on road trucks, where it's diesel electric, gas electric. The idea of that you need a smaller engine that because now you're just turning a generator and that's going to keep moving. There's still a gap and you're still going to need hydrogen. You're still going to need compressed natural gas. You need all these things to work together. It's just how it's got to be. You have to have it. Yeah. So I think I think what they're doing is awesome. The, the fact that, you know, that he resigned and that's, you know, they've got a whole lot of stuff that they're working through, but somebody's going to have to pick this up. 
whether the stock's you know plummeting or not, or maybe you let that stock crash and somebody else comes out with the next best thing. Well, uh, the stock plummeting might not be a bad thing, right? Because the stock the stock plummeting just means somebody else can come buy it up. Well, exactly. That's when you're looking at a billion dollar valuation or eighty million or whatever it is on something like this, you get in there and you get a company like Bosch, you get a company like Volvo, or or like you said, you know, International or Komatsu or somebody come in and and buy this company up and buy up its assets and buy up that infrastructure that it's been building. And uh, now you've got something real. And if if a competitor, if somebody out there really wants to shut this down and they're looking at the 50 hydrogen fueling stations that Nikola supposedly has going and, and going well, up in the next 12 months, well, not only buy them up, but you can lock out everybody else. You exactly. can say, no, no, no. These hydrogen stations are only for Packer Kenworth or these, the, that's all they're going to work for. Here's something that we really, you know, something I think we're missing the boat on. And I've talked to a bunch of people in the industry about it is it, it's diesel electric or yeah. gas electric or natural gas electric. Take an engine that's a third of the size of what, what you would need to run it mechanically, put a buffer between that and an electric motor and run it. What John you're Deere talking is one of the biggest about. loaders on the planet. And so does Lee Bear and, and other companies like that. A hundred percent. And what you're talking about is really interesting. There's a company called Hylion. And they're out of Austin. They're out of uh, the north side of Austin, Cedar Park. And I was down there a couple of months ago, um, kind of an awkward visit. I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk to you about that a little bit. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're building a hybrid system where they have all they need, they figured out is 200 kilowatts sustained to replace okay. the new 15 liter Cummins. Well, that's so bad. they can get that out of a relatively small engine. Right. So they get that running and it builds up and powers up the batteries and you can use that excess battery to run these big electric motors to get the load moving. But then at highway speed, 70, 75 miles an hour, you only need that 200 kilowatts of power, which is like 180 horsepower. And it's just revving that little generator, working that motor. And if you have a bigger generator, it's storing excess motor in the batteries. And then when you have your guys you know, stopped at the truck stop or whatever, or they're going to hotel for 34 hours, they can do that entire stint on the battery that's stored. So they're right. just using the electric motors and the batteries to get this thing, you know, to get the load moving. And then once they're on the highway, they're using this tiny well, engine. It's so smart. Well, we use diesel electric power forever. I mean, look at, look at GE with some of the first diesel electric locomotives. That's People right. Like, oh, diesel. It's burning diesel instead of coal. You know, nobody understood how it really worked. It was just a, <laughs> It was an engine in there that, you know, was turning this generator and it was, nobody realized half of it was a rolling electric plant. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, there's totally a spot for that. I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest thing that we face in the industry is sustainability, you know, and what, what sustains. That's honestly why everybody resorts back to the tried and true old ways is because it needs to be sustainable. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Sustainability is a very nice But it's not like thing. sustainability. I'm lazy and I don't want to do anything new. Well, that's, that's accurate, but it's not sustainability in terms of environmentalism. It's sustainability in terms of doing what we've been doing, what we know how to do. And, you know, not, not to sound too much like a uh, T. Boone Pickens commercial, but we got to keep America rolling. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, we have to keep moving. We, we have to keep moving materials, whatever those materials are. We've got to keep, we got to you know, <laughs> Got to move the dirt, dirt Michael. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's, but that's what it is. We have to move stuff like we're going to have to produce. That's it. 
at the end of the day, when we're trying to move equipment from one site to another, I don't care what construction company you are. Some fucking twin rotor Chinook doesn't show up and just move it magically and it's free. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Chinook can going, show up. Holy shit, we're going to run on down there. Gonna, yeah, hook up the straps, boys. Let's, go, let's get this thing on out there. Victor Roller, let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> just picture... I just picture Neil yelling, get to the chopper. And then like oh, three yeah. guys turn around and they're like, it's right there. It's just coming. Yeah, it's Neil coming to us. We ordered it. There they are on the heel. You know, like <laughs> it's just, no, that's it, not what happens. You know, and then you're sitting there and you're like, oh, Jesus, we're trying to come out. Somebody grab that line. And no, 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 don't drive away with it. And the Chinook gets pulled from the sky and crashes. You know? <laughs> no, you, you've got a, you've got a crane 40 feet in the air and it's like, uh-oh, his <laughs> the wire didn't go through. Cut the cables. This thing's plummeting to the ground. <laughs> Why are we doing this? We're professionals. We're like well-respected people in this industry. I think the more we talk, the less that's going to be true. That's very true. I think that you know, that's okay, though. We're okay with that. We're all right. Well, <laughs> you know, here's the other thing. You know what? You want to talk about something off the off the rails? We could do radioactive nuke power rolling trucks generate all the kilowatts we need we'll have kilowatts to spare you just show up and plug into somebody's house be like oh no i'm not here to take power i'm here to <laughs> I'm give here to, it it's like a rolling evangelicus but only for lightning a lightning jellicus hold on right there people i'm here to give you light Bam! <laughs> the truck doesn't even have its own lights it's just glowing green like the freaking incredible Hulk with the gamma radiation coming off of it. Anyway, Why does it say Turkey Point on the side of your truck? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll put a flying J up on Three Mile Island. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, look through this tube, and when the crickets explode, you're not going to live long. Like, that's, you know, that. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like, all these, like, weird Eastern European human trafficking guys that are driving trucks these days, that are, like, driving all the car haulers, like, Sergey and Oleg and those dudes. I don't even think they'd flinch if you told them there was a nuclear reactor in the truck. They'd just be like, we survived Chernobyl. This fine. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what some, some hair-legged Ukrainian is going to put his leg up on the dash and just be like, Eve. Yeah, well, we, you know, we got to be nice to the Ukrainians. They're going through some. Yeah, we're nice, but they are. I'm just saying. They, they, <laughs> you're suggesting you're suggesting that they need to apply some Burma shave to the yes, nether exactly. regions. Exactly. And this now, time for a Burma shave. Burma shave. The signs <laughs> along the highway. When the guy's going along, he's like, "Oh yes, I need razors." Like you know, play, like, I'm going to play the Burma shave ad. I'm going to edit it in. Within this veil of toil and sin. Your head grows bald, but not your chin. You need Burma shave. Why Burma shave? Demonstration. Put other lathers on the bladder. Then circle with new Burma shave. Minutes later, Burma shave soaks rings around them all to give you a smooth, clean shave. Try new Burma shave. And also try new Burma blockade spray deodorant. What's the next thing you got? You got to talk about case. You know, I worked my very first construction job was working for a case dealer. I didn't know that. I thought you yeah. were. I thought you went straight from the Dodge store straight to uh, the excavating guys. No, 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 no. So it, what my introduction to construction was working for a case equipment dealer. And 
Case equipment, case farm equipment, no different than John Deere. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the guy that Jen, you know, invented the plow. You know, you'd have to walk six feet before kicking the saw it off. But the, <laughs> the point is, is that case is always and will always be there for their customer. Yeah. And they, they were bought by Fiat. And then I think, I don't know, we'd have to look and see who owns them now, like as a true holding company way up. I think there. it's Paris Hilton. It, it might be. It might be. <laughs> she just walks out and she's like, oh, they're putting a mulch in Hey, so it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> do, we, do, do people still say that's hot? I don't talk to anybody, so oh, I have no idea. Well, no, we say that a lot at work. We, a lot. The, <laughs> I bet the you do. Guys. <laughs> it's just sort of like dangerous. You say that he's hot. Oh yeah, that's hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're calling the vendors, going, "Send her back. I got some more batteries." You know, like that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, that's highly professional. Yeah, um, Oh, it's funny, you know, with all this natural disaster stuff, you know, we just had a hurricane in California for the first time in the last 12,500 years. So uh, everybody's freaking out and not for nothing. It's like 106 degrees here in Chicago, which oh, I, know. I do not care for. I, I have reached new levels. My underpants are now a federally protected wetland. I was going to say, you know, that heat where your underwear sweats and then it crawls up there like that. That's that's what you're looking at. I mean, it's just disgusting. <laughs> I, you're, you're, I'm not even wearing underpants. And riding. I don't I don't see the rest of you. I can only imagine there's a button up shirt and then it's just dripping sweat. It's not even buttoned. Look at this. I'm just oh, I just no. have something on oh. for decency for like in, in case we ever decide to make this a video podcast. They don't want to look at they don't want to see all this. <laughs> No, no, you want to look like you're sitting outside the booth staring away from the window with the snow in the background. That's what you want to look like. That's that's where you're looking at. <laughs> wait, wait. We gotta... Margaret, get me a shirt. They don't need to see this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Back to the hair-legged Ukrainians. No, we're professionals. Case. So... In response to all of these natural disasters, you're stuck under a mudslide or whatever. Case Construction is actually encouraging its dealers to train more people. It's a veteran-led group called Team Rubicon to train people to use the equipment. And they're they're encouraging their dealers to volunteer their equipment in these natural disaster relief efforts. So like, you know, it's an amazing idea. It's a, well, it's an amazing idea because they've got the equipment, they're ready to go, you know, and, and honestly, and this is, this is something we, we talked about before the show. Could you imagine you're sitting there and you're, you're, you know, half of your house is buried under a mudslide. You got kids and dogs in there and the local case dealer comes and digs you out. I mean, you think you're ever going to go down to the competitor down the road. You're going to go buy a, you know, a, a, a deer or a cub cadet or something. There's no way. Absolutely not. This is okay. What I said earlier about case. Is absolutely true. They're looking at this, I don't doubt, 100% as we need to help people. But back in the cubicle, way in the back in the advertising side, you know there's some guy rubbing his hands together going, well, they finally got it. We've been trying to pull it for years. Yes. All right. We're going to sell a million tractors. So, like, this, you're absolutely right. They are, they are all about it. And the fact that they're doing this, is is amazing and I, I tell you what it makes me proud actually from working for a case dealer everything when they would send us all kinds of stuff they'd send us to school we would, we would meet with the reps it was all about who's using it what do they need what do we need to provide because that that right there is 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 huge and you're absolutely right john deere caterpillar they better get on board because case is going to be selling all kinds of stuff when they get done moving these mud they're, they're providing aid 
We need to do it in other parts of the world too. And I think we miss out on the boat a lot where you have a lot of companies that have resources to be able to help and more companies jumped in and did this. We could, we could get a lot more done. I mean, we need, we need, we need a lot of help in a lot of ways in this country and not just in the North America, South America, a lot, you know, there's parts of the world that you haven't seen anything outside of fucking steel wheels and rubber road for, you know, two centuries. And I'm being serious. Like, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, and, and, a lot of times when you do see any kind of machinery in these disaster release efforts, it's, you know, unfortunately it's all spray painted olive green or all or desert camo because yeah, it's, right. it's the army Corps of engineers or the, the national guard or the federal reserve are out 100%. there doing disaster relief. And it's not that sense of corporate citizenship of responsibility for the community within the companies is not really there at the corporate level. And honestly, that's why I like this about the dealerships, because I think if you look at some of the companies that are most engaged with the community that are sponsoring the little leagues that are putting money into the AA programs that are, you Mm -hmm. know, funding the Memorial day parade that the kids come out to and march in it's the local dealers, you know, and, and they don't get the credit that they deserve. I think in a lot of cases, never. And it's never, you know, it's always the local dealers. So, you know, when we would do now, shush, she's yelling at the thunderstorm. No, she's, she, I thought she was protesting the, the positive speech about the dealers. I thought she was saying they should all just be delivery centers and we sell everything online, like on Amazon. Wow. And that's it. Okay. We're here. That, okay. We're going to talk about that because working for dealers, I work for a case dealer, work for a John Deere dealer. I've I've intimately known through the dealings that we've had throughout the years, all the dealer groups. I've I've worked with many dealer groups. They are the ones. You're absolutely correct. That are they? They're the ones donating to all the little league teams. Are the ones donating to autism awareness events. They they are the ones everybody hits up. United Rentals and Sunbelt and all those guys. They don't go back to JLG. They don't go back to Case and Terex and all these guys and say, Hey, I don't know, but uh, we're like a million short on our uh on yeah. our donation budget. Here. Well, those companies they, have they gatekeepers. They have people set yeah. up to prevent you from getting money from them. And I the agree. local dealers 9 times out of 10, they're at the Rotary Club. They're they're hand, you know, they're shaking hands or shaking babies and down totally. at the local bar. Sure. That's right. And when the Shriners need their carts worked on, where are they taking them to? They're taking them to the case dealers. <laughs> I would die to walk into a case dealer and see like eight of the little Shriner mobiles up on the list. Could you imagine talking about now the problem here? They got these Kohler motors. These Kohler motors have been throwing plugs all year. Ever since they switched over to that Champion spark plug garbage, these things used to have Delco. <laughs> yeah, you know, let me tell you, you know, we, we took all that shit out. We simplified it. We got her down to a billet long block, boys. We got her 55 mile power out. That son of a bitch. It's like <laughs> seven inch tires on it, so you don't get in the rain on that. They're okay? running 30 horsepower Briggs animal motors. Things are going exactly. 70 miles an hour. The Shriner, the one Shriner had a heart attack and died, but the thing's still going out of control, barreling <laughs> through the kids. Mommy, what's well, happened to Grandpa? Home. Then they don't have to haul them. They got all these car haulers that are hauling the Shriners cars to these parades and the Kiwanas are out there with their batons getting it all caught up in the wheels and everything. They don't need to do that. Now it's just, hey, honey, meet me down at the Moose Lodge later. I won't be able to drive. 
They take the thing on the highway and scream over from Chicago to Cleveland. How they, fast you know, do you think the Shriners would give us a cart to see how quick we could get it going? I got. I still got one of them nitrous running rotary motors, single rotor motors in the uh, attic there that we could get on that thing. Shit. We put seven out rotors on that son of a bitch. <laughs> we fucking blue flame nitromethane. I get sub seven second pass out of that son, but it don't weigh 400 pounds. You can put 400 horsepower on we'll, it. That's we'll put crazy. a plow on the back and call it the uh, heavy equipment podcast official vehicle. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. The official vehicle of the heavy equipment podcast. What's a, what's, a plow, what's a plow manufacturer's name? Give me one. What do we got here? You got to get Neil to drive it because of like McGilla Gorilla climbs down in that son of a oh, bitch. That's amazing. No, so there actually is on. there. So there's, you know, Western plows and Hanky and all these, custom, you know, universal truck equipment that I've actually heard of. There's right. one called Boss Snow Plow. And I just Googled. I've never heard of them before. It's Boss Plow. And it's a big red plow that says Boss on it. Oh, it has I like a said box. Like, like no, she's Boss. Got like, box like in front of that truck. Like, no, like Tony Danza. Who's the boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, the no, no. O is like a turbo. The O is like a little turbo snail with like the fans in it. They must make snowblowers too. They've <laughs> taken Aries right out of business. <laughs> they might make snowblowers. That's amazing. <laughs> this is how behind the scenes industry meetings go. They're like, did you see this boss snowplow? I think that's it. Those for the fleet. And they're like, oh, oh, the one with the turbo on it. Yeah. Well, they must make a goddamn snowblower too. Get out there and get me one of them boss snowblowers. That's I it. You get one of them for my cousins. Like that, you that's know, how it, it works. It's funny that you say that because I was talking with someone the other day uh, about a bike show. So I, I'm part of the National Bicycle Dealer Association because I write about. Of course, you are. of course I am, because I have nothing better to do because my other podcast, my other show is all about electric vehicles and, and e-bikes. Right. So I'm in this thing, in this retailer on, group, and we're talking about this. And they said there's two things that really get bicycle dealers excited at these trade shows. And number one is new products. Everybody loves new products. Number two is the swag. If you have a good giveaway yeah. swag, if you have like a like a like a hot product to give to somebody, like you're gonna get them as a dealership. And one guy was giving away like chain lube, and I was like, "Why oh, are yeah. you giving?" Yeah, and it was like, "Why are you giving me this lube?" And he looks at me and he goes, "Because nobody else is giving you chain lube." And I was like, "Oh, that's so good! Like I'm gonna well, keep this." Right, but don't put that on your asshole. It'll burn on next Wednesday. Great. So I got three more days of this. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Wish I where was that information last Thursday? But uh, at the bottom of the can, when you look at it before you snort it, it says "Do not put on asshole." <laughs> you can spray it a few liter bottle and huff that shit all day long and drive your Shriners car right to the next Kiwanis gig in Falls City. That's where we're going. Well, you don't even have to drive it yourself. Now these things drive themselves. This this pilot Kodiak thing in Georgia, pilot just had an autonomous robotic truck stop come out. Truck stops need help. There is not enough people that are willing to work. Okay. And so think about this. And I'm being well, well, that's true of any industry. There's not enough people willing to work. Let's just say 100%. that blanket. We're, we're, this is blanket. So so this is this is firsthand experience. Okay. You're trying to move a piece of equipment. You've been on the road all day. You you finally get a place where you can get this oversized load off the road. You get into this truck stop, you park. Maybe you got fuel, maybe you didn't. And you go into the truck stop and what is the first thing most people beeline for? The bathroom. Yeah. Okay. And, and what happens when they don't have enough staff? It's not clean. So then you're standing in there and you're literally looking at this place going, oh man, I don't know, but I got to go. Okay. Right. And it, 
and it's bad. And, and this is, I'm being hundred percent professional. It's bad. There's been truck stops I've pulled into and you're, you're like, wow, I can't believe I went in there. Second, if you have autonomous and you have aid where you can put that to work and people can clean the bathrooms, make them sterile, get, you know, eat, right down to packing fresh food out front and turning it over so that, oh, we didn't sell this. It gets thrown away. This is huge because these guys live on the road. And if yeah. you want to go to any kind of statistics, what they're forced to eat because of what's available and oh, the yeah. condition forced to live within. So I, I love this idea. I think this is amazing. And pilots, pilots way ahead of the game on this. Yeah, they have always been a forward-looking company. They're partnering with uh, Kodiak Robotics to build this, and their idea is really clever, right? Like robots are really good at going on highways. Where they're bad is in cities and and in areas where unexpected stuff jumps out at you, right? Where it's it's less controlled in the highway. So this idea of having two pilot stations you know, let's say a hundred miles or 500 miles apart on the highway, sending a robotic truck to just make that long haul drive in that semi-controlled highway environment. And then it pulls off stops. And then you transfer over to a human driver that can handle the variables of a city for that last mile delivery or that last mile run into the, you know, Amazon depot or Walmart depot or whatever it is. I actually think this is really smart. And as you said, Yeah, as you said, you know, to be able to to kind of multiply the efforts of the people that are there to keep the place clean, keep the food healthy and keep that going is critically important. And and I think, you know, I really love the idea. Maybe that's our next episode is life on the road, because, you know, Margaret sees all these guys that are retired truckers that have the pension or they're on Medicare and they were driving for 30, 40 years. And the health problems that these guys have, they got skin cancer all up and down the left side of their body because they were hanging with the arm hanging out and they didn't know about it back then. You know, they've got diabetes from all the soda and big gulps and everything they were drinking. They've got hip issues and knee issues because they were sitting the whole time and they didn't have the ergonomic chairs. I think this is really really critical. And I I'd be really interested in that. How do you guys deal with that? Cause I know you've got a lot of drivers on staff that are on the road hours and hours every day. Well, here's the thing. So we got like, for example, we got guys running to Arkansas and back to a, a project we're doing down there. And, and you're driving through a lot of like kind of rural, but there's not a lot out there. There's not a lot of good places to stay. No, there's truck stops. I mean, well, yeah. And, and that's what I mean. And you know, hotels are scarce. We don't put a lot of sleepers on our trucks because a lot of our stuff is not night to night. And to be honest, when you get done doing what we're doing, you don't want to sleep in a truck all scuzzed. You want to find a good place so you can go take a shower. 100%. It's so bad they have to pack their own lunches. Wow. Because when you get off the road with something that's as, as large as, as what they're dealing with, you can't just park that at a Chick-fil-A and run in. <laughs> And, and Can you imagine you like a oh, yeah. hundred foot, a hundred foot, you know, Siemens wind turbine blade. It's like, uh, yeah, I'd like to have a uh, spicy chicken sandwich, waffle fries, and uh, you guys got Dr Pepper. <laughs> oh yeah, could you could you imagine? That? Well, okay, let's let's look at it. Yeah, they got come wheeling in. They got the the dual lane, and then the guys <laughs> yeah, the get the, the fuck out of the way. I need both of these, lady. Come over, take my order. Like you can't you can't do that. Like. But that's what I'm saying. It's hard to find places to stop. You know, TA was was forward thinking years ago with uh, trying to get hotels and stuff integrated into some of the major truck centers and stuff like that. 
Yeah, some of that's still around, but I mean, like you said, a lot of our guys have to, they pack their own lunches, they bring all their own food, they have to make sure they have a lot of their own supplies because it's not like the glory days. You know, when my dad drove, you know, I'm talking back in the 70s, that was where you'd go into a place and our drivers and I talk about this all the time, the driver's only lounge and they're sitting in there and, you know, and Mavis is making coffee and, and she knows the guys that are regular all the time and the food was good. The facilities were taken care of. Everything was cleaner. Sex was dirty, but so they, they keep the, um, it's just love is just a stall away. Oh yeah. We can get into that. Yeah. Not at the flying J where love is one stall away. We can, this is the golden age of the lot lizards. Well, yeah, you know, and, but anyways, my point being is that that was a different era. That's when I think we've gotten into this situation, this is a whole social economic thing we can get into, but at some point, but when you can't get people to come to work, so you got guys that are like trying to figure out what to do. The automation part of being able to get the truck to travel the main distance is awesome. But I just saw today, I saw, and that's what made me bring up the, you know, the automation cleaning of things where they're they're working on a, a whole thing where you go into the bathroom with the shower stall the robot cleans the whole thing it sprays it down it's got an arm it wipes everything down right down to the glass it backs itself back out that thing's ready to go that's that's what i'm getting at our guys fight that every, every like there's times in my past history too like we've we would get done working on something we would go to a hotel tell them we needed a room we would use that room to clean up shower get you know just totally get ourselves cleaned up and then drive home because there wasn't a good place to go to do that and you know pilot loves petro had their stuff forever you know they you know way back before the anti-idling thing came about and they had the duct work that you know put cool air into the cabs and all that these are the places that we're trying to figure it out that's the other thing people 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 talk about the glory days of trucking here's what they're missing it's the quantity of trucks Yes. We have more trucks on the road today. We still have a driver shortage. We're still going to be short for the next 10 years at an exponential scale every year going forward. We got companies like Yellow Freight, you know, they're they're locking the doors. They can't make that work. Now they got people bidding to buy their companies. It's it's horrible. The yeah. trucking Well, and it gets worse horrible. and worse, right? Like, you know, you want to talk about socioeconomic stuff. You had guys that were tr- you know, driving truck in the 80s that were making 60, 70 grand a year back then. Correct. And now some of these jobs are paying. Yeah, it sounds good. A hundred, 110 to go drive truck and be away from your family and all that. But if you do the math, they're paying like a third of what these guys were making in terms of yes. being able to, you know, provide quality of life for the family. And how can you ask someone to be on the road like that? And, and not only miss that time from their family, but take that hit to their physical health and take that hit to their body and the quality of life when there's no safety net. And I'm not, I'm not here trying to suggest that it's the trucking company's jobs to provide that. I'm just saying that if you want people to be excited about the opportunities you present them and you want people to come to work, there has to be some kind of trade-off. There has to be some kind of balance between what they're being paid and what they're able to afford. And quite frankly, I don't put that on the trucking companies at all because you've got companies like, you know, and, and my favorite 
people to pick on is Walmart. Every time Walmart comes into a town, the main street dies. I mean, that happened all through the nineties and early two thousands because they would come in, they would undercut everybody. They would put people in stores out of business. And then the only place you could go work was the Walmart for seven twenty-five an hour. And, and they're they doing it to the trucking them. business. That's it. Yeah. Then they would consolidate the stores. So, so now that they put a store in there, they devastated an area like a bunch of locusts. Then they say, okay, well, we can put in a Walmart super center and we're going to do that. And then that is going to sustain what three other Walmarts were doing. And we're going right. to move on to the next area. You're hundred percent right. They used to have really good benefits for their drivers. They used to have really good trucks on the road. I will pick on Walmart as well. My mom has worked for 40 something years at a small town grocery store. She grew up in the town that she's working at. It's a very rare thing. And when the Walmart was put in up the street, it devastated that store. And what she saw firsthand, it beats your body up. Yes. There is no relief. Yes. The trucks are made more comfortable. The, you know, but, but like you said, when the food sucks and you have nowhere to go, most of these guys are sitting there. They're still sitting behind the wheel. They're not driving. They're not lounging in some lounge somewhere. They're, the most comfortable spot they can find is literally sitting in that driving seat that they just spent 12 hours in, leaning against the wheel, maybe eating something, maybe reading. It's, it's horrible. And I think that that's the next step. We'll get through that. We you know get the automation stuff going and, and get things to help. But we got to have places for people to go and relax. Right. And I think at the end of the day, we'll take this back to the beginning with Case and Nicola and all that. At the end of the day, you you are doing this for people. You got the people who are buying the products that you're moving and shipping, the people that are making them, the people that are, you know, operating them. And, um, you know, who knew this was a uh, humanitarian podcast? We'll be able to write all this off. Exactly. And I think if a lot of people actually spent time on the road, they would have a totally different opinion about automated trucks automation of things they all they're taking our jobs the jobs are there we're not taking anything from anybody right we have to figure out how to get it done with no one because the amount of people that want to come to work is is dwindling and there isn't anybody on any podcast on any news channel that would fight that argument that you cannot get people to work and that's what all this is what we're talking about like you said it's all a human element you can get into everything else you can talk about trucking. You can talk about electric, CNG. We are all doing it for one reason, because we need stuff and we need stuff taken to us. That's right. But you still need, we're doing it all for the people and how we do it, you know, and, and all that stuff. That's, that's just got, this is just constant improvement. And that's why I think, like I said earlier on, I think you got to have a combination of CNG, hydrogen, gas, electric, diesel, electric, hybrid. And then true diesel for these, you know, areas of the country that you're driving through, where that's just not sustainable today. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I, I like what you were saying about the diesel electric hybrid stuff. I think that's going to be, uh, I, I think that is a developmental step that we're skipping for some reason. I can't quite wrap my head around why, you know, you, you'll see the new Peter want to go to utopia. We, we can't, they want to go from here to utopia. But I, if you look at what, Peterbilt's building. If you look at what some of these guys are putting on the road, it, it's really slick. We'll talk about that next time. We'll do uh, next time. We'll do a life on the road and uh, why we should all have hybrids. So until yeah, then, yeah. we'll do the uh, the outro music. <laughs>
Tune in next week for more Heavy Equipment Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you find podcasts. Uh, uh.